Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Another very special episode with just Gina and Anne. Anne? Hi. Hi. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to have you. And um, <laughs> so our third podcast or uh, saison, it was her birthday and she decided she would rather go to a David Byrne concert than cancel right. her plans and get on Skype with us and talk about depressing issues, which I am shocked. Or see if she could get David Byrne to be on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If she cared. I think we know where we stand. Um, so. It's hard, to, it's hard to be David Byrne. Yeah. Yeah, he is a tough get, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so, well, what I wanted to talk to um, Anne about today, it is uh, a complete okay, surprise I, to her. Yeah, go right. ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's a surprise. You already you're you're on top of it. <laughs> it's okay. I'll bet. Like I said, I not only that, but I have actually emailed her information that she is only allowed to open when I tell her specifically, <laughs> so I can get her reaction during the pod. So she, she does not know any of this and, um, and I'm presenting all of it. Cause I, I really want to get her reaction because I don't know if, if you haven't heard the pod before, Anne has a, uh, passionate personality <laughs> and, um, I like to catch it, uh, it, in its most authentic form. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's probably one of my favorite things to do in the past 20 years. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get it on audio for you guys. Um, so, but what I, I want to tell you how I kind of um, arrived at this topic, because there was a lot of things that I was really grateful for this week. Um, so for example, I woke up the other day to 15 text messages from Anna and Cezanne. <laughs> Because the Golden State Killer had finally been 
arrested. And um, the uh, Bill Cosby was also found guilty. And uh, how you feel about that? It's just, it's depressing, you know? It's just depressing. It's like... I mean, the Cosby show was funny. Why do you got to do that? Like, ruin, like, ruin so much of the 80s. Picture pages. Oh, I know. Man. Um, anyway, I mean, I'm, yeah, he obviously <laughs> is a rapist. Right. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a disappointment. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in him, in him. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think we had all the hope for, for better from Dr. Huxtable. Um, yeah. It's disturbing that he chose to be a gynecologist on his show, knowing what we know <laughs> now. God. I, I literally just thought about that, oh but I mean, God. I'm sure somebody else oh. has made that connection. But, no. um, but the what all of those things uh, had in common for me was that it what it took was tenacity, and. Um, you know, we read or we listened to Michelle McNamara's book together and, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all like true crime fans. And uh, with the Cosby case, we've been following it. And what was an inspiring takeaway for me was that it really took the tenacity of women in the face of a thousand no's. You know, not only right. not only was there the threat of public scorn and humiliation and condescension, but it was really just their self-belief and, and passion that they were able to affect change, you know, and they were able to bring light on a situation and... Um, and let the the truth prevail. So that that is what sort of inspired this week's topic, which is you know if you you know if you believe in something enough, and if you fight for something, you can you can really affect change. Like, don't dream it, be it. Like Rocky Horror Picture Show. I know show. exactly what the reference oh. is from. <laughs> I didn't know. What you guys can't see is I rolled my eyes so hard. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the lesson. But I also, speaking of just gratitude, um, there is a another podcast that is female-oriented. It's a pair of sisters. They're called Mouse and Weens, which I already, like, that. just the title alone is fantastic. But they're two sisters. They live in California. One works like in the industry and the other is a mother and they're about our age. But like right after I had sort of, we had published our first few episodes, uh, they like reached out to us and they were very kind. And um, I listened to their podcast and it's the same sort of like, they're obviously best friends and they're able to talk about fairly serious topics about, you know, their own childhoods and then, you know, the difference between, you know, women who have a professional life and a child rearing life and all of those topics, but it's, there's just a lot of heart and, um, a good sense of humor. 
So anyway, I just wanted to encourage you guys, if you enjoy this sort of slice of life conversational podcast, to check out Mouse and Weeds. So that's nice. it. But, um, so anyway, uh, our, our topic today is, uh-huh. are you ready, Anne? Uh-huh. This is the first, the, the first famous child abuse case. Ooh. Yeah. In American history. Oh. But. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Right off the bat, like. <laughs> <laughs> child abuse that's only like a recent concept well that's a very right? you're, you're exactly right as far as it was difficult at the time to distinguish what was punishment and what was child abuse because you know you just beat the shit out of your kids right exactly um, but this was back in I think it was sorry 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 oh 1873 and it was a really famous it was a really famous case it was the mary ellen mccormick case and the reason that it broke through was um because they had the they had pictures of the little girl and they had her testimony oh god um but the thing of it was is that it highlighted the fact that um, at the time there was the ASPCA, but there was no avenue to protect children. Okay. So okay. they you could, if you had noticed that there was somebody that was starving their horse to death, you had resources to call in and, and have somebody save the horse. But... Um, and in New York anyway, but there was, right. they did not have any resources at the time where they could do that for children. And see, I want, now I'm wondering when did the child labor laws even start? Because, well, do you see what I'm saying? Well, like, as you know, if you uh, participated in the shirtwaist yeah. <laughs> triangle factory fire, that would have been the 20s, right? Right, right, right. So, but it was, uh, it took about 100 years before, um, before they even ruled that it was illegal for children to work. So I, okay, so already I'm interested in how they're defining, like, child, oh, oh, you know, well, is it public and private sphere, you know? Like, child abuse in the home versus child abuse in a factory where you're getting your fingers cut off because you're five. Right. Right. You don't know what you're doing. Well, again, you know, maybe if you paid attention and listened to directions, you would have kept your fingers. So. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm joking, by the way. Please don't have children working in factories. So, yeah, there. that's... A, so I think that's what for me was um, what is an important takeaway for this is because even at the time when they met this young girl, well, uh, there's just so there's just so many people that did what I feel at the time was a fairly heroic thing because they didn't even know what the means for saving her were going to be. 
but they knew uh-huh. something terrible was happening. So, and is this like just regular people or right? Authorities so I'll got start. Involved? I'll start. Okay. 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 So, um, so many questions. There, I know. I know. I'll get to it. <laughs> so, um, little Mary Ellen McCormick, her uh, her father was a Union sh- soldier who was killed in the war. Her mother, Frances, was a washerwoman, and um, so she had her daughter. Um, there were places at the time where if you were a widow or a single mother mm-hmm. that you could put your child in someone's care for like $2 a day. Okay. And Or sorry, $2 a week. And um, so then you could work and then pay for somebody to care for the child. But she got fired from her job, so the child was sent to an orphanage. Oh. I th- the orphanage ended up telling the mother that that um, Mary had died, but they actually adopted. What? Yeah, it, I mean, oh, it was it was rough. I was, I, you know, I would have loved to live back then. <laughs> it sounds Just... great. Oh, and yeah. all of this is taking place in New York City. So as sure. you can imagine, it, there's a lot of chaos. I mean, this is right at the beginning of the beginning of the Industrial Re- Revolution. So there's a lot of people who are not only like newly immigrated to the U.S., but they're also coming in from rural life, and it's there's yeah. just a lot of madness, you know. I mean, yeah, and, and people don't know th- those those places, like those structural organizations, just haven't had time to develop yet. So. They just haven't caught up to the frenzy of the pace. So yeah. um, the safety, like the safety nets haven't really been established. Right. That's where I'm trying sure. to go with that. Sure, of course not. I mean. So there's a, a lot of a lot of vulnerable people are being taken advantage of. Thankfully, that does not happen anymore. Oh, I know. I'm so glad that we've eradicated that. I know. And that's. Vulnerable. That's what's so we crazy. Definitely, yeah, and that's what's so crazy when you read history and you're like, "Oh wow, I can't believe there was a time when the powerful would take advantage of the vulnerable without consequences," because that doesn't happen anymore. Um, right. And uh, what a crazy time it, that was. Yeah, it's like reading sci-fi. Like, what is that? It's so far removed from our reality. Yeah. So, um, uh, the. So little Mary Ellen, she was adopted by John and Mary McCormick. Uh, and I think John was the one that had really wanted a family, but he actually died fairly soon after the adoption. Uh, and um, Mary remarried Frances Connolly. And, um, and this is, at this point, um, her adopted mother, Mary Ellen's adopted mother. And... Um, But she was over, well, this is what she says. She was overburdened by the caretaking of Mary and just life in general. And that's when the physical and mental abuse began. And this is the adopted mother who remarried. Right. So, and her name is... Yeah, she goes by Mary McCormick, but um, which is how Mary Ellen McCormick. 
Um, but anyway, I this is probably the time you should open the email that I sent you earlier. Oh boy. So okay. the build now and and this is well, I'll just I'll just lay it out. So poor little Mary Ellen, like she was um, hardly ever let out of the building. Um, but then out of her house, right? You mean well, they, or, she, they okay. lived in New York City, so okay, they lived in a building, and um, the neighbors actually heard her screaming and crying, and. Ugh. There was um, one of her neighbors who was um, newly immigrated from Germany. She had gotten very sick, so she was bedridden. And while she was in bed, she could hear poor Mary crying all day long. Because the other thing is that when she wasn't doing the chores, um, she was locked up in, like, this little closet. And they gave her a quilt. Uh. Yeah. And... um, you know, she would just, did you see, so I sent you pictures. Did you get the. I haven't opened them yet. I'm waiting. Okay. 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 Now open them. All right. Oh, so. God. Um, okay. Let me see here. Oh, God. Yeah. That's super depressing. Yeah. What is that? A like scar down her face? Yeah. Her, her. She looks and her head is deformed from like beating. Right. I mean, her growth had been stunted. She looks like she's old, like old almost. Well, that's how they described her in the newspapers is that. Oh, God. Is that she had this quality of being, you know, she she looked both too young and too old, you know, because she hadn't grown to her full height. And her head and her hands were the right size, but her body hadn't grown because she was so underfed. So depressing. Um, but she, the thing is, is that the, it, uh, the pictures of her that, that you can see um, that were in the newspaper at the time, I mean, she has just slashes on her legs and there's old scars over new yeah. scars. She, the, the cut is, uh, all the way across her face. Those were from scissors. <gasps> Ew. Yeah. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare. And you look at her eyes and she's like, I, I, given up. Like, I, it, is this life? Because I don't, I don't want to be here. Right. It, it's, you know, it's, it's haunting, you know? And so the, the neighbors, they actually, they, they weren't even sure what to do. They, they wanted to, they wanted to rescue her. But like I said, those, those, that safety net just wasn't in place. It didn't exist. So that they ended up calling, um, here, uh, the public charities and corrections, which they're the ones who sort of made sure that the conditions in like asylums and prisons and things like that were, yeah. um, but they didn't know who else to call. And an investigator from which, I mean, God bless her for showing up. Um, her, her name was Etta Wheeler at angle Wheeler. Um, uh-huh. now this woman, as you can imagine, she lives in New York city. 
at the end of the 1800s, yeah. her job is to make sure that prisons and insane asylums are up to par. So she has seen it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what does that even mean? Like, oh, God. Like, right. I mean, just like, the hose was turned on, like, just twice <laughs> a day instead of 20. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And it's like... Can you make sure that they sweep out the cage that you've kept her, you, you know, you're keeping her in? You know, the one that didn't want to marry. Um, it, well, okay. But, um, I, I, I'm just making an allusion to the fact that a lot of times women were sent to insane asylums because they didn't want to marry somebody or they were unhappy in their marriages or. Right. Uh, they had depression. God knows why. Why would you have anything to be depressed about? So, um, so anyway, Edo Wheeler shows up, and um, and she meets little Mary Ellen, and she's like, "Oh no! Oh no! 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 Yeah. No! 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 No!" And, and she's like, "This has got. This is. This is the end of this." You know, but she. She just does not know what to do. You know, can you imagine, yeah. like, after seeing that picture, if you showed up and you saw this child, and you're like, I have to leave her here? Like, how how in the world has she survived as long as she has, you know? Um, and so, actually, after, like, speaking to her sort of friends and family, they actually arrive at the idea of applying to the ASPCA for help. Oh, wow. Because at that point, yeah, the only sort of, um, which actually ended up being kind of a, a turn of genius because the society's founder, Henry Berg, he felt that the girl reminded him of the horses that he had saved from. Uh-huh. Right. Like, you know, and at the, you know, there was that at the time you could if there were horses that were being starved or overly whipped, you had the recourse of calling the ASPCA. They, they did not have the equivalent for children, for example. So, right. Um, they ended up hiring um, a fairly uh, a famous lawyer at the time. Uh, what is his name? His la- his last name was Jerry, because he was related to the senator that gerrymandering was named after but anyway oh wow okay anyway um and so they essentially ended up arguing that you know does she not deserve the same protect protection as any as any animal or any creature of god right and um so the in the court case they had little Mary Ellen who was 10 at the time but again she mm-hmm. she looks both 5 and 85 yeah mm-hmm. it's bizarre yeah it's horrible and so here's part of her testimony oh good it's uh, bad um mama has been in the habit of whipping and beating me almost every day she used to whip me with a twisted whip a rawhide I have now on my head two black and blue marks, which were made by Mama with the whip. 
and a cut on the left side of my forehead, which was made by a pair of scissors in Mama's hand. She struck me with the scissors and cut me. I never dared speak to anybody because if I did, I would get whipped. Wow. So when people, when she was testifying, she she was actually a very bright young girl. And then when people saw the extent of her injuries, it really caused like a sensation. It, right. And it was just one of those, again, it was one of those, situations where people knew this was happening yeah but no one had really established again like a a safety net and there wasn't a precedent right for helping a, ch- a child <laughs> what i'm thinking about Uh-oh. while you're saying all this uh-huh. no it's I'm just surprised like Bob Dylan didn't write a song about this because it plays like a Bob Dylan, like little Mary McCormick. I can't do Bob Dylan oh, impression, I, but like, no, is there any made by, made by mama's head. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Ella Wheeler came in. <laughs> Little Mary McCormick. Oh, God. I Yeah, I don't know what impression I'm doing at this point. I, <laughs> I, I, I am moved. I don't know how <laughs> accurate it is, but I felt that. <laughs> I mean, if I had an acoustic guitar, I'd start noodling on it right now. <laughs> it just sounds right up Bob, Bob D's alley. <laughs> No, I mean, it's true. <laughs> I mean... Um, so, the case, like I said, it ended up being a sensation, and it was a turning point. And Berg and Jerry, uh, Berg was the one that uh, had uh, founded the ASPCA, they went on to establish the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Um, okay. And by 1922... 300 non-governmental agencies formed for the protection of children. Okay. So, um, I, I, I mean, we've talked about this before, just sort of tangentially in other episodes, but it wasn't until the 30s where people were really comfortable with these sort of federally funded social programs because it wasn't until then, like the Great Depression, when people were literally starving to death and they, yeah. they needed immediate intervention. And there was a, a real resistance to having the government get involved in these sort of very personal issues. And so yeah. that's up, up until that point, all of these foundations, they, all these charities were run on donations from the public. Right. And, and so they were, they were privately done, which people still sort of argue from um, mostly Republicans argue that, you know, we should, a lot of these social needs like hunger or um, any sort of child protection and all the rest of it, they, they want them to be privatized. They want the church to step in and they want, mm-hmm. but the problem with that is that, that that is how they used to do it both 
like in the UK, for example, and they did that over here. But when the entire country is hit by a devastation like the Great Depression, then nobody right. has the money to, you know, then when everybody's hurt, the, you know, the, the money for these programs dry up. And so, you know, nobody's looking after anybody's needs. So that's why it's yeah. kind of important to have these social programs on a federal level, you know, just to make sure that, you know, the, the winds of change don't affect, you know, if a child is going to be fed or protected. Or... Right. Yeah. Like have scissors cut down her face. Yeah. That's, that's, ta- oh God. Can we all agree that no? Yeah. Not, let's not do that. Yeah. That's like. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know what she did to deserve that, though. Well, you that's know? right. <laughs> that's right. And she she um she was she was playing with a mop, and um... right. Well, she looked out the window, and I think it was well established <laughs> that to daydream and dream of a day where she could have escaped the overwhelming abuse by staring out the window and dreaming of better times was a big no no. Right. The big no no. Right. Mm. So, um, but anyway, um, uh, the juvenile court was then established, uh, in 1899 in Chicago. And then by 1919, all states put three had juvenile courts. So kind of like, you Mm -hmm. know, and then, um, in 1935, the Federal Children's Bureau was established, like we were talking about. It was in the 30s that mm-hmm. these social programs. But right. um, going back to the what ended up happening to Mary Ellen was yeah, she, she was she was rescued from that home. Uh, they put her in like a because they didn't really know where to put her. They put her in this sort of like. Uh, home for juvenile delinquents, which I can't imagine what that must have like Oliver Twist, right? <laughs> like pickpockets and yeah. Oh God, the artful dodger, <laughs> right? And a four and a forty year old that's way too interested in, in the street kids, <laughs> right? <laughs> what was his name? Um, uh-uh. Oh God, oh God, Finnegan or. Uh, well, fan, 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 yeah, fan. yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely more, something, it's, um, something like that, yeah, um, Ugh. but, um, yeah, you wouldn't, you would have thought I'd never saw Oliver, Oliver, <laughs> um, but anyway, never before, you wouldn't have thought I was oh, no. in Oliver in sixth grade, you were in Oliver by, by the Charles Dickinson, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I played a pickpocket and an orphan, which means I was in the background. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I can't believe they didn't recognize your talent right away. <laughs> I know, man. Why, why wasn't I the star? No, to be fair, I also, because we were both in the same like the same program in, in Houston, the child theater program, but we were oh, well, in... this was at my middle school, but I did do that too. Yeah. The one you're talking about. No, yeah. I was 
convinced as a child that I was the most amazing singer, dancer, performer. Sure. And every time I tried out, I thought, I, I can't wait till they see my talent. This is yeah. this is the year. This is it. This is it, man. <laughs> and every year I was, again, somebody who never appeared in the actual play. It was a part that they had to write in order to incorporate all the kids that had showed right. up. I had right. like one line and I was, I, I just <laughs> could not understand how they didn't see what I knew was amazing talent. I'm going to steal the show with that one line. It's gonna blow everybody's minds. But to be fair, that that sort of like delusional self belief, there hasn't been like I have not shaken that. Like there is a part like <laughs> because I always think that I am the coolest person I've ever met. And then when people are like, I mean, we're friends now, so surely you won't take offense to the fact that I thought you were a huge dork when I first saw you, and I was like. You mean like a cool dork? They were like, no, like not ironically. I thought you were. Really? Oh, yeah. You said that. Well, I'm just saying I've heard it more than once. Are you talking about in college? I'm talking about throughout my life <laughs> <laughs> at different points. I mean, they they called me Velma I've been, at more than one workplace. I've, okay. Yeah. I've, I've been called out there. And I, I can't imagine. Like, a little too out there. <laughs> ah, well, they are lying to you. You are in here. Or, or be nice to your coworkers. And then I came in the next day with a box of Dunkin' Donut holes. <laughs> I'm like, here, everybody. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Not that I was mean. I just was like... Was this at the I kennel? Just, I hate. No, this was this was in New York at, at my oh, like, no. publishing job. No, it was just because it was like, oh, morning chit chat, let's chitty chat, and I was like, I told my immediate boss, I was like, um, we would not be having this conversation if I was a man, and she was like, you're totally right. Oh, yeah. Like I needed to be more perky. Oh, yeah, you're not, you don't have that ability. Like, perky, like, hey, what, did y'all see uh, Survivor last night? No. I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm too busy writing Bob Dylan songs. Oh, God, here we go. For him. <laughs> oh, so speaking of, um... The the end of the the end of the tale of <laughs> Mary McCormick. Mary McCormick, where did you end up? <laughs> On the side of a river, dreaming about freedom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's more that's of the really country. Good. That's a country. That's, yeah, but that's really good. Thanks. Well, I mean, Bob Dylan had his like country riverboat captain. <laughs> Throw my ticket out the window. <laughs> Throw my mattress out this door. Something like that. Um, anyway. <laughs> so she, the, oh yeah, juvenile delinquents. But then um, 
the the same woman that had come to that went to investigate the situation uh originally uh what well, I'm looking for her name totally oh Etta Wheeler sorry Etta Wheeler Ella old Etta and the Wheeler came on down to I know I I can't do it without doing country either yeah what it's, is that yeah it is it's kind of like oh it's it's the stories like um you know like the they're the st- story songs you know where it's like yeah it's a, a bad wheeler an old woman who never had a child of her own met a young child with scissor marks on her face and she said young girl come home with me and i'll make a place in my home and heart for you <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. How has there not been a song about this? It really lends itself to some sort of folk country. Well, maybe because she lived. I mean, that's, you know, they usually only write things about people who die. No, no, it's she could live and they I just think there should be a song. Well, I think we need to work. We'll work through it. We'll we'll work it out <laughs> together. Um but so the good news is that so Etta Wheeler came back to her life and she took her out of... No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but she ended up... Uh, they She ended up raising her and what was really sad is that the transition was really difficult for her. I mean, as you can imagine, because she sure. had never walked on uneven ground or grass before. So, yeah. like, she didn't even... You know, it, it was just, like, there was so much like sensory information coming in at her that she was just so overwhelmed. It just breaks my heart. But, um, you know, but, but she has such a support system around her and a lot of love. And I, I, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's a testament to her, like her, the strength of her character that she ended up, um, she went on to get married and she had two children of her own and everybody, by all accounts, she was a very kind mother. So, um, you know, she persevered and, you know, was able to make a life for herself. But I mean, that's amazing considering the amount of, God, the amount of unending, just terror. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But that, and okay, this is, this is kind of a tricky comparison. Uh-oh, but here we go. What when you talked about uneven ground and grass and stuff, like, okay, I watch or I'll I go to like animal sanctuary site websites mm-hmm. to view stories about, you know, retired chimpanzees. That have been in a cage. Oh my and god, have experiments me too. On them. Me too. I mean, there's an amazing one narrated by Angelica Houston. Oh wow! And it's about the it's about a center in Florida, and it's all these retired space chimps. I've seen like, that because they have their photos in their uniforms on the walls, don't they? Oh god. And they, and like they, yeah, and they have these stories about them and they're so traumatized and, but you can identify with, I mean, we're primates. I, I don't know. I'm, 
No, I y- look. You know what? I'm gonna. Be, I'm an animal advocate as well. Like, well, it's... but that's why. But and you're not so far off because that's why when Etta Wheeler she she went to you know Mr. Berg at the ASPCA because she knew that she was like she there were no resources available and she was like look here's a man that knows like when he sees something like this like right. that he that he will understand what's happening in my heart right now that this is yeah you know that nobody no no you know child Uh-oh. of god no creature on earth deserves this kind of abuse what? But yeah, I, I I know what you mean, and I have seen that video of the two elephants that were in the circus oh, together. Yeah. Oh my god! They've been separated for twenty years, and oh, they remembered. Oh, oh, they remembered, and they were breaking down the barrier. Ooh. They yeah, they bent the bars. Oh god! Yeah. Oh god! Anyway, that that place is in Tennessee. Highly recommend that website. Take take take. Give it a goo. Give it a goo. <laughs> give it a goo. Take a gander at that sanctuary. Man, it's and if you, look, if you've got some money that you just can't wait to get rid of, by all means, like, please give it to all those sanctuaries. It's just. Ah, I mean, not to take away from like child abuse. Oh, well, but it's like well, give it to again. Them it's too. like the most vulnerable. The most, most vulnerable. vulnerable. It's like yeah, you can keep. Sure, you can keep a six-year-old in a cage. Oh, sure. Of course you can. Well, I mean, that's that's what I mean. It's it's. I think I mean why these like. But why they're all pulling the same strings of your heart is that again, yeah, because these not only are they the most vulnerable, but they're also like the most capable of love. Like they they desire love, yeah, so much, and it's like, and they're totally dependent, and it's such a well, betrayal. You, yeah, it's such a betrayal. If you're gonna take them, take them out and be like, oh, ride this mini motorcycle or whatever, right? You know, and we're talking about yeah. children. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> the mini motorcycle children show. Oh god. Uh, but, oh. but anyway, so again, the the reason I brought it up is it, it, with everything that's happening today is that while you may not see a way ahead, there are times in history where people all they knew about the situation they were in was that it was not right. That like that's that is right. all they knew, and they didn't know what resources were available. They didn't know who could do what, but they just talked to people that they thought may be sympathetic to the cause, and they fought for it, and it worked. So yeah. you know they were able to change public opinion. They were able to raise awareness, and it and it. Um, turn the tide and it, it made people it changed people's lives for the better so I think that it's it's hopeful that you know we can start with the cases that we saw this week too it was that there was just a moment where you know in this case it was violence against women and you know 
if you've ever been a, a victim of that kind of violence, you understand that it, it, it is wrong. Maybe the, the, all the resources aren't there. Maybe all the recourse isn't there, but there are enough of us that are, are supportive and on your side. And we understand it, you know, we're all working towards the same goal, which is like, uh, right. Resources for people who've been victimized and hopefully prevent more things in the future. So you know, just I just yeah. wanted to leave it on a hopeful note. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, and Anne has been working on a song. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you have a song about hope? Could have sworn yeah. it was sort of a Dylanish. Yeah, it was hope and certainly living on a river. Some kind of river. Yeah, it's a different river. It's an entirely different river. <laughs> there was hope <laughs> to be siphoned. I don't know. <laughs> like some sort of irrigation system of my arid heart. See, now that's a 20s song. I don't know. But anyway. Well, that was, um, that was the story of poor little Mary Ellen McCormick ended up. Yeah being victorious and um you know just I had never I had never heard that story I know I know I hadn't actually heard of it either I um yeah well Ooh. well all right well that has been another I mean jam-packed week <laughs> um as always thanks for listening we appreciate it I mean for the 20 of you that have consistently downloaded it. <laughs> I mean, I swear, it really, it, every single one of you, I love you with all of my heart. I really appreciate it. So does Anne. Yeah, it's, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun creative project for us. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hope you enjoy the um, output. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the hard hitting facts and the laughs. And the laughs. I mean, yeah. My therapist told me to develop a meaningful hobby, and <laughs> I am passing that on to you. So I hope that you enjoy my meaningful hobby. Um, I did do cross stitch for a while, but um, I, I, I appreciate this more because I get to talk to people. So. <laughs> on that note, thanks again for listening. Thank you, yep. Anne. Thank you, Gina. Sorry that our friend decided to go see David Byrne in concert, as opposed <laughs> to obviously recording what's going to be the best podcast of all time. And, uh, yeah. But we'll see you next week. Bye.